in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the f***ing players. A lot happened yesterday with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets actually suspended him for five games, at least. Could be longer than that. Uh, the Nets put out a statement. They were upset that Kyrie Irving refused to say he was anti-Semitic and refused to apologize when talking to the media yesterday. Um, do you believe the NBA forced the Nets to suspend Kyrie Irving? No, I think it was a uh, preemptive strike for his uh, Adam Silver meeting. Did he, um, I saw he, late last night, didn't he apologize or no? So that's what else happened yesterday. Kyrie Irving on Instagram posted a um, two paragraph. uh, He did actually say he was sorry. He said, I am deeply sorry to have caused you pain. And I apologize. So he did actually use the word, I'm sorry. And I apologize, which he did not do yesterday. Um, He still went out of his way to say, I've been unjustly labeled anti-Semitic. Um, he that seems to be the part he's most upset about is people right. putting a label on him. Um, but I just let's see if I can run through this really quickly. Kyrie Irving post that documentary on Twitter. He had a chance to apologize in a press conference, I think a day later after a game. Instead, he argued with reporters. He then deleted the tweet like 48, 72 hours later. The Nets then put out a statement trying to apologize for him. In which he still didn't say he still I'm didn't sorry. say sorry or apologize. Adam Silver then said that that apology was a bunch of crap, and that right. he was going to meet with Kyrie Irving. Then Kyrie talked to the media again and refused to say he was he did that he didn't hate Jews and refused to apologize. Then the Nets suspended him. Then, then he, he finally apologized. It took like. Five different things that I think it would take a normal person to get smacked in the face with and say, oh, I screwed up here. I better figure out what's wrong. It took like five of those. Where did they come up with five games? I think it was just a number to... A week and a half for him to cool down because didn't they not allow him to talk to reporters after the game because they needed to let cooler heads prevail? He talked after the, the first game and then they and were then like, they said he's not going to talk. <laughs> yeah. and then he talked. We're not going to let you talk. That lasted like talk. two days. Yeah, but he's not sorry. We we everybody no. knows that he's not he, sorry. He did, he did not apologize. Correct. Until the next until the next took his money. He's yeah, like, I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm like, you can be Jewish and be anti-Semitic, just like how you can be sexist and be a woman at the same time. Like all this can exist at the same time. I actually I I need to re- I don't believe he said that he I don't believe he said I'm not anti-Semitic anywhere Jesus. in his apology. No, they literally no. said, will you please I mean, say that you're not? And yeah. he refused to say it. He did say I. Have been unjustly labeled oh anti. Like I'm sure some of my views would probably color inside the lines of that label, but that's the whole. That's why you have the clarification. So but he doesn't care. It's all right. Posting the documentary on Twitter, right? Watching that, and we've talked about this. We don't know if he actually watched it. I don't know if he watched but, three hours of that. But looking that up, potentially watching it, posting it on Twitter. That's pretty bad from everything that we've learned right. about what this documentary is. For Kyrie Irving not to have the self-preservation, to have the awareness of self-preservation, to take this long 
to realize he needs to apologize and back down. He's every time he talked, he was combative. He sees himself as a martyr. Yes. Every time he was like, I'm the victim here. Yes. I'm the victim of my own actions. But he's like, I'm the victim here. And it's it's incredible to me beyond the the fact that he may be anti-Semitic. It's incredible to me that he doesn't have the self-preservation to realize I need to shut the hell up. Regardless uh, of what I, I actually think, I need to back down. I don't think that he has that within I him. I think he thinks this is part of his mission. This yeah. is part of his sacrifice. I like, don't think he has it within him to shut up. Yeah. He called himself a beacon of light. And then they took his money and he decided to back down. And then the beacon apologized. <laughs> he didn't. He did. He said, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yesterday. I'm not, in, in, an Instagram apology. Yes, in an Instagram post. But he did actually say the words, I am sorry. So we, he has apologized in the worst platform I think you could probably do it. <laughs> but he did say, I am sorry. Step back one-legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? Wait. According to people.com, oh. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is looking into buying the commanders, and he might partner with Jay-Z. Uh, Jay-Z used to own the Nets before Joseph Sy, or own part of the Nets before Joseph Sy bought them. Um, if if you're selling a pro sports team in America, are you required to leak to the media that Jeff Bezos might want to buy your team? Because true? I feel like this has happened like three <laughs> or four times. Time. It was it, different teams, yeah, by the way. The um, Seattle, the Sonics. Yes. And if they come back, we've heard, oh, Jeff Bezos might be the owner of a team in Seattle. Like, I feel like if, if there's any new team or any team for sale, you're required to be like, ah, Jeff Bezos might buy him from us. I mean, I hope he does. I love the company. 5.30 this morning, I looked out. There were more There were more deliveries. <laughs> Value by association. They were They were, They were. were outside. The bags were outside. I, I feel like go and get you them. love the Bezos. Up. I feel like it's just a matter of, we talked about yesterday, how many people have $5 billion to buy the commanders right. if that's what it well, ends up costing. I feel like it's he like, does. oh, this is a lot of money. Who's the richest guy I've heard yeah. of? Ah, he's interested. Jeff Bezos. Bezos yeah. wants a team. I, I feel like that's the go-to <laughs> plan if you're selling a team is to just say that Jeff Bezos is interested, even if you, he doesn't even know what the Washington Commanders are. Oh, uh, you know, I can't tell you that. Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber spoke yesterday ahead of MLS Cup, which is tomorrow, and he talked about expansion, and he gave a new timeline for Las Vegas that he hopes to finalize that in the first half of 2023. If you remember last year before the MLS Cup, he said that there was going to be an announcement in the first quarter of 2022. We've blown past that. And now he's basically saying a year and a half later, hey, we'll finalize that. Do you believe it's actually going to get finalized by the first half of 2023? I said August, so who am I to talk? <laughs> I thought it was going to be Don Garber said the first three yeah, months of the year. I, I, t- I took August as my as my uh, guess. Um, I'm interested more in the story Ziegler wrote about uh, San Diego kind of being the leader in the clubhouse. Right. The other part of Ziegler's story, specific to Las Vegas, was that Wes Edens, uh, the potential Our owner guy. of the team here, the reason it hasn't happened in Vegas is because he is not... He doesn't like the rising construction costs and was it rising interest rates, mm-hmm. and that has slowed him to build down. The stadium, and if that's the case, is Don Garber basically predicting that the construction costs are going to go down by the first half of 2023? That interest rates are going to like 
if the, if if what Mark Ziegler wrote is the is the reason that Wes Edens hasn't gone through with what he needs to go through with to get MLS to Vegas, then that's what we're waiting on to happen, right? right? And sure. if that never happens, this team never happens, or else Wes Edens finally decides. Or to Wes Edens going to decide to pay, pay right. more and write a bigger check, which is why I called him poor earlier this week. Cause wow, <laughs> build the damn stadium, dude. Let's right. go. Like you've basically got the commissioner saying it's your team. Yep. Just build a stadium, and he won't do it apparently because it's construction costs. I don't don't well, be he, poor. He has the money. I don't want a poor owner. You're gonna be. You're afraid to spend on the stadium. What's gonna happen when you want to buy? Prices some... will go down in four, in four months. It'll be fine. Yeah, what happens when Lionel Messi wants to come play here? And you're like, I don't have enough money for that. <laughs> oh I man, get the hell out of here! If Messi wants to come, he's the owner. You're gone. <laughs> Cristiano's coming. Daddy had a breakaway. James Harden is expected to miss a month. He has a right foot tendon strain. Um, the 76ers are only four and five this year. Yeah. The and Sixers, he's played well, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I um, think he's played well. The Sixers are, not, are obviously going to be in the playoffs, and the Sixers are going to be a legitimate contender in the East if they're healthy for come playoff time. But well. they're four and five, and now Harden's going to miss a month. I am curious if this sort of ruins their seeding in the East. Like, is there a chance we're talking about the Play-in four game? or five? No, not that bad. Come on now. The like, Play-in game? The, the Play-in? like four or five seed Philadelphia 76ers. Become the... And then all of a sudden, well, they're the favorites because they got healthy and they won a bunch of games late in the year. I, I just, maybe it's a little bit of an overreaction, but I wonder if there's a chance this sort of ruins the seeding in the East. And like the one well, seed he's been really through. good. Yeah, should so, be. He and Joel and Beach. To be gone a month, goal. to be gone a month could certainly hurt that seed. Yeah. I, uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry, I just got this. <laughs> a former psychologist of the Spurs is suing the Spurs and Josh Primo. Uh, Primo was the first round pick of the Spurs in 2021. They released him uh, last month. Uh, with no reasons given, but we've now got reporting that it is because he is accused of exposing himself nine times to this former psychologist, and she is suing the team as well because she says she reported the incidents and they were ignored by the team. And uh, she still kept seeing him after number six? Her got to do her job, doesn't she? Her oh. lawyer um, ripped the spurs yesterday. In that, obviously, saying that they didn't take her seriously uh, allegations report seriously, but also that the Spurs released him only when they realized it was going to be public. Correct. And not like they didn't do anything to him until they realized, oh, this is going to be public. This is going to come out. So let's release him. TMZ had a story, and I, I, um, I bring this up a little hesitantly because it's TMZ sourcing, but they said they talked to friends of Josh Primo who obviously were like, oh, you could have never done this. Their excuse or reasoning as to how he exposed himself, they didn't deny it, was that he was wearing basketball shorts laying down on a couch. It, it and just that he, peeked through. And that he didn't do it intentionally. That's what his lawyer said this yes. morning. And I am, I, I wear basketball shorts on a couch. I don't understand. I, I don't understand how that's an excuse. That's clouding like, the truth with legalese. We all know what happened. Nine yeah. times on accident. Mm-hmm. And that's the other part. Nine right. times is mm-hmm. an insane amount. And then they said, well, he's gone through a lot of childhood trauma. He's got a, he's got a lot of unpacking, too. That's my favorite thing as well. It's just like use it as an excuse because there's plenty of people dealing with childhood trauma that don't whip it out. It's it's an in, incredible story. 
it's a, it's an incredible story to have working in sports. The potential here, if if her side of this is what she's saying is true, and it happened nine times, and she reported it nine times to the Spurs, and nothing happened right. until it was like, oh, she's going public she's with this. Go public and she's going to sue us. That's like about as bad as it gets yeah. from an organization for yeah. Because because taking notes from the Mavs, the the waving of him is like an admission of guilt on the Spurs part, right? Like when you wave him, because if, if they waved him because they were afraid it was going public, they were that's an admission of guilt. They're right. basically worried that, hey, this is true. This is going to come out. And they didn't do anything about it when it actually happened. They waited until, oh, this is going to be public and we're going to look really bad. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some Major League Baseball. Fly ball right center field. McCormick on the move. He's at the track. He's at the wall. One one. That's hit in the air, pretty deep to right center. It sends back McCormick onto the warning track, leaps at the wall, and he makes the catch. Oh, what a catch by McCormick! Crashing into the 13-foot high wall and deep right center field. Two outs. The catch. Wow. Of, the catch of his life for McCormick comes back to Philly, his hometown, and makes a wonderful catch against the wall, crashing as he makes it. At the top of his league. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Ed, do you remember me complaining during the regular season about Justin Verlander having a personal center fielder? Yes, absolutely. Chaz McCormick that. made that play against the wall last night yes. to keep the tying run off the off bases base. and at a scoring position. During the regular season, Dusty Baker used Mauricio Dubon as Justin Verlander's personal center fielder right? because Dusty Baker thought Dubon was better defensively. And it was not until the last like week of the season and into the playoffs that Dusty Baker stopped starting Mauricio Dubon in center field when Verlander was on the mound. Here's the problem. Dubon is fine defensively in center field. Chaz McCormick is better. Shaz McCormick is a significantly better hitter, too. Dubon hit 208 this year. Mm -hmm. He's not a good hitter. He's, a, he's whatever, a fine defensive center fielder. McCormick's slightly better, though, and a much better hitter. There is an alternate reality where Dusty Baker continued to start Justin Verlander's personal center fielder, and Chaz McCormick is not on the field for that ninth inning For catch. that catch. There, that, that's a real, that was a real possibility yeah. coming in the playoffs that Mauricio Dubon would be starting in center field over Chaz McCormick. And thank God somebody on that team got to Dusty Baker and said, what are you doing? Play Chaz McCormick in center Chaz, field. Chaz, he's from, West, West, from Pennsylvania. Yes. He's going to be fired up. He's going to be motivated. Play him in center field. Um, incredible catch. Uh, you also had the inning before Trey Mancini stopped the uh, line drive down the first baseline that likely would have been a two-run double yes. to give the Phillies the lead. So two good defensive plays in the last two innings. This season in the regular season, the Houston Astros were second in outs above average as a team. I believe they were plus 31. The Philadelphia Phillies were minus 37, second worst in the league. And last night, the Astros made those two plays, Chaz McCormick and Trey Mancini. But the Astros scored three runs. One was on a solo home run. The other two were aided by Phillies having terrible defense. First inning, Altuve hits a double. 
Uh, Brandon Marsh in center field bobbles the ball out there, and Altuve takes third. Yes. And then he scores on a Jeremy Pena single yep. with the infield drawn in. That was the first run. The other run they scored, Altuve's on third, ball hit to the first baseman, and Reese Hoskins dropped it. Hits his glove, and he drops it, so he can't throw Altuve out at right. home, and he's just got to take the out at first. Two runs in a game that's what's three to two. Two Astros runs. Maybe, probably not, don't score if Philly plays good defense. Meanwhile, the Astros made two incredible plays in the eighth and the ninth yeah. to keep Philly from scoring. That's been Philly's MO all year, yeah. though. The thing is, they've been actually good defensively in this series, right? G- game one, the Astros win game well, one if, if Nick Castellanos, if Nick Castellanos doesn't, Castellanos make, the doesn't make the sliding catch. The, the, uh, the diving catch. And Castellanos is one of the guys that sucks defensively. Right. <laughs> Castellanos <laughs> actually said, I don't pay attention most of the time. <laughs> but, it, I'm, but I'm locked in for the playoffs. Did yeah. you hear that? Yeah. I don't focus mostly. Well, it's really hard to focus all the time. <laughs> Like what? Well, the funny part about the Castellano sliding catch in game one, um, Altuve stole second. He was on first. He stole mm-hmm. second. And before Tacos. he stole second, the outfield was playing like no doubles really deep. And then once he stole second, uh, Castellanos didn't come back in until I can't remember who somebody on the Phillies dugout was yelling at him to move in. Like, hey, dude, we, we got to stop them from scoring yeah, on a throw single. Yeah, out at home. And he like he was just standing like ten feet from the wall and was like, Oh, I need to scoot in. He wasn't paying attention in the World no. Series. And if nobody yells at him to move in, that, well, that drops, blue drops in. the game's over. Yeah, and series they've is already won the over series. Now. They've already won the series. So I just very much enjoyed that the Astros won a game in this series pretty much because of their defense. I mean, the pitching's good, obviously, but they basically won that game because of their defense. And mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Dusty Baker finally played the right guy in center field. Jazz made a Bellinger catch. He did. Hopefully his career doesn't fall off the face of the earth now. <laughs> like the MVP. <laughs> I don't think he got hurt uh, celebrating afterwards no, either. No, he didn't. No shoulder Jumping up injuries. and down and ripping his shoulder out by <laughs> giving someone a high five with his, with his elbow. So uh, very excited about that. Um, Justin Verlander got his first World got Series his win. win. Kate's happy. Man. Dusty messed up, though. He shouldn't have left him in. He left him in and got rewarded, but he should not have left Verlander in. You didn't want him to stay one more? I'm thoroughly convinced Dusty Baker left Verlander in in the fifth inning. To get the win? So that he could get the win. I think he did it in game one, too. I saw at least three hugs between Dusty and Verlander oh, last night. And I think it was Verlander saying, thank you for leaving yes. me in. They uh, they uh, gave him, they put him in a laundry cart and pushed him through the dugout, or through the locker room, dousing him with beer last really? night. Really? After getting the first win in the World Series. Getting that excited yeah. over it. Still haven't clinched anything. They haven't, but it was for Verlander because he's pitching the World Series a hundred times and doesn't have a <laughs> win yet. Um, but yeah, oh, I still think Dusty made a mistake there. Should have pulled him maybe in the fourth, but definitely before the fifth. But it worked out. He did well. Um, also, to ask you if you remember something, do you remember in the offseason when I was upset that Carlos Correa signed with the Minnesota Twins? Uh, I do remember that. And that the Astros wouldn't do the three-year deal worth right. 32 a year with player opt-outs? Year. Yeah. Yeah, thank God for Jeremy Pena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about being a rookie, he said after the game last night. The Astros let Carlos Correa leave in free agency, and their rookie shortstop, who had never played a game before, has four postseason home runs, was the ALCS MVP, the first rookie to first rookie shortstop to Homer in the World Series, and won the gold glove. Yeah. And he might win the World Series MVP. Yeah. 
I'm he's got to the, think, he's got the highest. Else. He's got the highest OPS of anybody in the World Series. If right Valdez now. wins two if games, Fra- if Framber Valdez has like, if he wins two games, has like a two hitter. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna win. Then it. he's gonna win it. Yeah, but if not, if Valdez, you know, just has an average game and Pena has like a hit tonight, it'll be Pena. Probably be Jeremy Pena. Yeah, Carlos Correa Who? tomorrow. Who's that? I'll be there. When it wins the flight tomorrow at five or six a.m. And oh, you're you're fine. The game's. Like oh yeah, seven thirty at night. I booked the first flight Southwest had available to Houston because like just because this gets well, delayed. It's always good to get the first one out. Right, this gets delayed. The only time I've flown in the afternoon this year, I was stuck in the DC yes. airport for like yes. six hours, and then had to get an Uber to the Baltimore yes. airport because that was the only way to get home. So I will only fly in the mornings now, even if it means I have to get up at four a.m. on a Saturday to get to now the. Now the fiance's airport. not going to this. No. No. no, no interest whatsoever to go no. on, to go on this trip. She might, she might consider going just because she the doesn't like me is, to be alone or whatever. Here's the number one uh-huh. key: Will she watch? No, no, no chance. She might put it on the television while she saying. does That's something else, but she's not going to pay. She would not actively pay attention to it, even if it was. But no, I'm betting she's going to have an anime on Saturday night, maybe Sunday. And night. then when you call, she'll ask who won. Uh, she might know. Her parents will probably text me like congratulations or something like okay. that. Okay, all right. So she'll 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 be aware of what's happening. She's been to like five Astros games over the last two yeah, years. Yeah, down at uh, Petco. Got a lot of reading done. Yeah, yeah, a lot of reading at Petco. And she went to two in Anaheim this year. She went to a damn thirteen inning game in Anaheim this year. That was fun. And of for course, her. she stayed. Obviously, they lost. <laughs> damn it! But yeah, she stayed for the whole thing. Are so. you? Are you finally going to get to go to the Houston uh, Funeral Museum? No, because they're going to win the World Series, Jared. <laughs> I'm not well, going to find the Houston Funeral I Museum. You, well, but I, I mean, you're getting in early, so you got to do something before. Yeah, the because game. The, you can't check into the Airbnb till three o'clock. Listen, I don't I, know what you're going to be doing. There is a sports bar on the same block as my Airbnb. I am going to get go watch it, college football. Go there and watch college football until I have to go to the World Series game. Wow. That's the plan for Saturday. So aside from this early wake up call, it's going to be great. And the flight flying sucks. That's no, not any fun, but it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Yeah, they pack you in there, man. By the way, Jared, uh, you weren't here. Uh, Adam Candy was filling in. I just discovered this time that I just stayed in the wrong place in downtown Houston last year. <laughs> so you were literally looking like, for things to do. Well, I was just in an Airbnb around all the hotels and the convention center. So there was nothing there. But I'm staying in like midtown Houston. And it's like there's bars and restaurants <laughs> all near my Airbnb. So I just stayed in the wrong place last year. I'm guessing. I'm assuming this is going to be a better trip. I mean... And they should also win. That'd be helpful. I will say, when we went to the Super Bowl in L.A., I was shocked that the area we were in had basically, like, nothing around it. And I talked to other people who stayed there, and they're like, yeah, there's there's bars, there's restaurants. Where are you staying? And it's like, well, a, a really nice building in the ghetto. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Kevin Bollinger joins the show. I mean, we knew that already, but sometimes you got to experience it and... There's certain things. Nobody came into the game saying we want to be flat. But, um, you know, the reality is that you got to come back and make those changes right off the bat. And uh, obviously we learn from it. And sometimes you hope to skip a step. Um, but that, that obviously didn't happen this past time. So we'll obviously learn from what we did and come back and, and make the corrections that we come out and start faster this time. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5 joins us from some random city in Florida. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Good morning, guys. How's it going? Good. Good. All right. First thing I want to ask you, 
How was it being one of three media members that got to talk to Dave Ziegler? It, uh, you know, it was it was a great sit down. The kind of, you know, he hasn't done uh, availability here since the season started, so it was kind of to get his perspective on how things have developed so far and, and where things in their mind are, are headed towards the future uh, was kind of enlightening. So uh, he is going to talk to the media uh, again before the season is over. He said he, he wants to try and and uh, do an update maybe in like uh, inter- incremental periods uh, throughout the year. So, uh, but a good feel that, you know, they're still sticking to their plan, even with the two and five start, obviously they're disappointed, but in terms of personnel wise and what they're doing, uh, they're constantly evaluating, and, and uh, they're going to stick with the, the, their long-term plan. I thought that, and I said this on uh, the day after he talked, I thought that some of that stuff about long-term plan, still evaluating, playing for the future, is kind of what you say when you're 2-5. and five. That when you're 2-5, and five, you have to find a way to explain it, and if they were 5-2, and two, it would be more about you know push for a playoffs. I mean... Did you get that sense at all that that that's kind of what you say when you're losing, so people can kind of say, okay, this is what they're doing? Because in the off season, they made a lot of moves that would suggest it was win now and not rebuild. Well, I mean, this isn't really the time for them to be able to to make the moves. You know, leading up into the trade deadline, that the Raiders didn't have a lot of assets to sell off if they wanted to be sellers, and they certainly weren't going to mortgage the farm to become buyers on a two and five team. So. I think that when he talks about the keeping with the, the long-term plan, it wasn't that they weren't going to, to, you know, maybe try and acquire somebody but have to give up draft picks when the price is a lot higher right before the trade deadline for something that they can make for a move in the offseason uh, from that standpoint. And let's face it, there, there were not a lot of players that would have been uh, available uh, that, that other teams would be interested in. So I think that that was kind of more along his thinking and, and sticking with the plan uh, from that standpoint, because you're not going to want to, uh, they want their draft picks uh, unless it can acquire somebody that they want, because let's face it, the Raiders drafts have not been fantastic over the last several years and it's dug themselves a little hole and they need to kind of get some homegrown players. Uh, if they're going to have the long ta- long-term success and sustained success that they want. Did the way uh, Dave Ziegler talked about Josh Jacobs make you think they're any more or less likely to give him a new contract after this season? No, I mean, they've always been pretty consistent about the way they, they talk with him. Yeah, they didn't give him the contract, but that's not unlike what they do with a lot of, of players in there. Uh, they, they've liked Josh Jacobs, and he's certainly uh, raised his value, right? I mean, uh, he's made a lot of money here so far in these first seven games in terms of the amount of money he's going to get on his next contract, whether it's with the Raiders or with somebody else. So uh, I think that, you know, the Raiders do have some flexibility uh, financially with salary cap stuff. And uh, if, if they think that he's got enough tread on the tires to, to do a certain amount of years on that contract, I would not be surprised at all if they go after to try and keep him in the fold. Have you seen Darren Waller out there? What do you expect from him this week? I have, and you know, it's it's similar to to what we've seen in in Henderson at the facility over the last uh, couple of weeks in terms of the limited uh, practice. He is out there at practice every day, and and uh, in a limited capacity as they put on the injury report. And it's a hamstring injury, so it really is going to come down to a game time decision with a hamstring injury because you've got to just uh, see see how it's feeling on game day. And I, I would not uh, expect it to be otherwise on the injury report today. 
uh, being limited and then questionable and then game time decision uh, for him as, as we go forward because they, with a hamstring injury, they want to make sure that there's not something long term. But obviously, uh, you know, you, you're thinking right now as well when you're two and five and you got to win some games if you're going to get this thing turned around in any capacity. So uh, I, I would imagine it's going to be just like last week. We'll see him out on the field in the early warm ups when they get off the bus at the stadium, and he'll test it out with the trainer and, uh, and figure out if he can go or not. What are the chances that you uh, went to New Orleans, then stayed in Florida for a week, and are going to cover a game in Jacksonville, all to see the Raiders score zero points in those two weeks? <laughs> Boy, if that happens, uh, it's just going to be uh, uh, an interesting uh, post-game locker room on Sunday, right? <laughs> Uh, I would have never. I would have never thought they would have been shut out by that horrible Saints defense that was giving up 28 points a game uh, last Sunday. So uh, the fact that uh, uh, you know going up against Jacksonville, I would. I would have to think that this team's going to bounce back offensively a little bit. Uh, how is how's Florida been? You know, you've been home for you've been away from home for a long time there. What's you told me yesterday? Uh, uh, humid and sweating. Yeah, right now, uh, 78% humidity here in Bradenton on top of temperatures in the 80s. I know it's cold back there in Las Vegas, so uh, it has been uh, steamy, to say the least, uh, on the Gulf Coast. Now, when they go to Jacksonville, it's not going to be as humid as it is here, uh, but they've made sure that they simulate uh, their practices tied into the game time in Jacksonville on Sunday, which is 1 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, so the the practices have been kind of trying to get that the weather similarities to to get them worked out that way. All right, Kevin, we know uh, you got practice to run to. Uh, we appreciate you joining us Thank for you, a few buddy. minutes this morning. Always oh, a pleasure. We'll talk soon, guys. See you then. So there is Kevin yep. Bollinger from Fox Five uh, live in Florida. What city are they in in Florida? Bradenton, Sarasota. I feel like they've been in just the randomest. I think Florida they're in city. Sarasota. Sarasota. And then they go to yeah. Jacksonville. Um, Talking about the humidity yesterday, what a disaster. Yeah, humidity sucks. Um, oh, it's brutal. So Kevin said that Dave Ziegler is going to talk again before the season ends to the media. I am looking forward to being uh, Christmas Day after they lose to the Steelers. <laughs> I'll be flying. <laughs> In Pittsburgh on Christmas Day. That's that's When everyone's already remember. left. Yes, yes, absolutely. He's going to be looking around saying, guys, what, you yeah, what happened? I was available, but you guys yeah, went home sad. on Christmas? What's wrong with you people? So that's when I uh, you flew would out early. That to be, yeah. What are you guys doing there? Oh, you got to go to Pittsburgh on Christmas. Oh, it's gonna be fun. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you. What's What's better? You guys, Sam Gordon did New Orleans and Jacksonville, but you have to do Pittsburgh over Christmas. Are you <sighs> sure? Are you sure that's the right? Did you make that choice? Did you make the right choice, yeah. or was that you, you still feel like you made the right choice? There? I do. You thought the Raiders were in playoff contention, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> You did. You were like, ah, yeah, oh, we're gonna have wait a minute. They're gonna be a, they're eight gonna be a playoff six team Raiders. at that point. They're gonna be trying to beat the Steelers to get that wild card. Oh, You're gonna man. be the first one on that wave, Ed. And now we're gonna be talking about who throws more interceptions, Kenny Pickett or Derek Carr. <laughs> oh, watch no, 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 no. career day, Kenny Pickett will. You it'll watch. be it'll be who fumbles more because those oh, are the that's two, right. two smallest small hands. hands in the two NFL. Hands oh, in the NFL. Are Carr and Kenny Pickett. Yes. Oh, very exciting day. Actually, you picked the right one. If you don't write something about hand size, you'll be very disappointed. You, you will have failed this show if there's not some... It doesn't have to be the main part of a it story. It just be a line. But just something. No, you, just say, you know what they say about small hands? Small stockings. <laughs> Is that what they say? That, that, I'm just, I said it, so someone said it. 
So that I just just somewhere in there. If what if one of those quarterbacks fumbles, I need hand size in the All review right. draft. Maybe before the game, get a big graphic and be like hand oh. size. Kenny Pickett versus Kenny, Derek. When you when you measure me, place tail of the there. tape. Tail and of the tape. Kenny Pickett and Derek Carr's <laughs> hand size. Can you guys request to just get a photo of Derek Carr's hands? Will he do that? Just hold his hand up for you. I'm guessing oh. no on that question. You don't tell him what it's for. You just say, hey, Derek, high five, and then sneak a picture. Oh, high five. Yeah, I don't think we're saying hands. high five either to him. Oh my there might be some someone out there. Someone in the media will. Someone yeah. will. Just we won't. We won't do be it. doing that. All right. We got tickets to give away. If you want to go see Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp today at Pearl at the Palms, call in now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That is 702-364-1100. Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp performing at the Pearl at the Palms tonight. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number three. Magic haven't passed the ball on this possession. Sugg's just going to shoot it. And he's going to drill it. You don't need to pass it. This is Jalen Sugg's house. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. This is Jalen Sugg's house. Um, by the way, the Warriors lost to the Magic last night. And had like a 20-point lead or something. They have not won a road game this year. I think it's 0-5 on the road. Uh, Side note, the Orlando Magic. First off, Paolo Bancaro has been phenomenal this season. They're starting Bull Bull. The guy who's like 7-5 or whatever the hell he is. Incredible. I, I think I need to watch the Orlando Magic play basketball because they might have the rookie of the year. And I love when guys are comically tall. And they're actually starting him. Like, Boban is hilariously big, but he doesn't really start or play a lot, right? It's sort of rare that Boban gets extended minutes. Bull Bull's starting. I got to watch the Magic. I don't think I've ever thought that in my life. Bull Bull has started the last four games. Yeah. I think I might need to watch the Magic. 10-3 and 7-2. Eh. That bad. He's, he's, like you said, he's 100. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Now, I wanted to get to this... uh, Basketball story that's uh, from the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, So a former player of the Indiana Pacers named Bruno Sundov. Do not remember him at all. He was on uh, Podcast Incubator. And he told a story about Jamal Tinsley, who was a point guard for the Pacers. He said, Jamal Tinsley wouldn't shower after practices or games. We easily enter or exit the shower, and he would be dressed already, exiting the locker room. Once, twice, three times, and Reggie Miller says to the team manager, bring the team rule book. We have to add one change that every player must shower after every training session, and especially after every game. Otherwise, he will be punished. The first fine was $500, and it would be doubled every other time he didn't take a shower. In one season, Jamal Tinsley apparently accumulated two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and he fines actually paid it. That's ridiculous. For not showering, he actually paid it. Um, the uh, from, I don't know from Bruno's story, it became a big deal because his uh, girlfriend or wife at the time, when she found out about it, was like, "Wait a minute, you're paying fines because you're showering at home." So he apparently was paying it at some point during that season. And it became a big deal and had to be shut down because he didn't have to pay fines after. The, right. Because he said that Tinsley didn't shower in the locker room because he was on the he was on the Pacers for a few years. He's like, he didn't start showering after that season either. So some for some reason or for whatever reason, it got shut down. 
but fined for not showering with his teammates after games and practices. It's glorious. It's ridiculous. Um, Just let him be. So one, Reggie Miller's a bad guy here. Reggie Miller's yeah, definitely Reggie a villain. Reggie Miller going to the rule book and adding rules. Adding, and adding, adding rules. Reggie Miller to go and I know he was the best player, but he he like he had the power to go and add rules and take money from people. I feel like there should be a uh, team vote on if you're adding rules. Yeah. Like it's one thing if it's already there for some reason, but if you're just middle of the season adding rules, if I'm Jamal Tinsley, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah. I read the rule book carefully to make sure I wasn't <laughs> going to get in trouble for this. Um, but also... Uh, I enjoy that Jamal Tensley's like, you know what, guys? I want to shower at home. I don't want to shower with you people. I'm going straight home. But that's like the best part of team sports is the group shower. All right, Jared. The door's <laughs> over there. Jared, okay. It's like, Reggie, why do you care? Got a team, a team camaraderie. I know, I don't but know. like, part it's just team. because well, cause I mean, everybody I, else has to do it. It's just like, well, if he's not comfortable with it, just leave him be. I agree it was a different with you. time. A different time. It was a different time. It was the 90s. We, I don't know how much we even believe this, given it was a guy named Bruno that none of us can remember is talking about this. Like, Bruno Sundoff. Was Bruno even on the team? <laughs> Who is that? What's his career average? Who's uh, Bruno Sundoff? He's uh, from Croatia. He played for the Indiana Pacers from 2000 to 2002. Ooh. He his uh, Here's his career path for you. Dallas Mavericks. Then he went uh, to Puerto Rico huh? to play for the Lions of Ponce. And then the Pacers, Celtics, Cavs, Knicks, and then the Gary Steelheads. I don't know what that is. And then he went uh, went and played in Israel for the for in a team for a team in Tel Aviv. Um, he played for a long time. He kept playing until 2018. Let's see. He uh, played. What is his career numbers? 102 career games in the NBA. Yes, that's almost that's the average se- what, season and a half. Average 1.7 points per game over 102 right. games in the All NBA. Right. One career playoff game, scored two points in two minutes. Okay, superstar. That's microwave. Hey, you the got bench. to the league. You got yeah. to the league. That's a games. that's a damn near 100 points per 48 minutes yeah. if he had just played the entire game in the playoffs. So Bruno Sundoff giving us the Indiana Pacers stories, the Jamal Tinsley shower stories. Um, I do have a baseball question for you. We got the report from the New York Post earlier this week that the Dodgers are keeping an eye on Carlos Correa. Yeah, I know. He is uh, expected to opt out of his deal with the Twins, become a free agent again, and try to chase the 10-year, 300-plus million dollar deal, similar to what Corey Seager got last year. Dodgers have Trey Turner, but he's a free agent. Are they re-signing Trey Turner? I don't think so, because I think Trey Turner, from the very beginning, they said he wants to go back east somewhere. His you, wife wants to go back east. When the wife wants to go back east, uh-oh. then usually you're headed back east. Who doesn't love California? Come on. Apparently his wife. She wants to go back to Washington, D.C. over L.A.? One team you keep hearing about, which is interesting, given I think they have their shortstop now, the future is Philly. Where would you put Where would you put Stott? Stott's not that good. You signed Carlos Correa. No, Trey Turner wants to go to Philly. Oh, he's not that good. You signed Trey Turner. Who cares where you put Bryson Stott? You got Trey Turner. He's a, you, come on, he's a local kid. We we got to care about him. We got to worry about him. Let's Play him at second him. base. Play him at third that's, base. That's my point. Put him in you, AAA. Yeah. Who cares? You got Trey Turner. No. I care. I care about the local He hasn't kid. been that good. No, guys, I would I would sign Trey Turner and put him in short, and then I would decide where to put Stott. But, Stott but, uh, got sent down at one point where, this year. Well, for three days. He got sent down. Three days. He came right back. You know who didn't get sent down? Jeremy Pena. <laughs> Okay. There were two rookie shortstops. Guess who didn't hit the first home run by a rookie shortstop in the World Series? Bryson Bryson Stott. Stott. You don't care about Bryson Stott. Not if they can get Trey Turner. Right. 
they're not going to be like, oh, we got this Bryson Stott kid. He might hit 220 for us I, this year. I said definitely sign Trey Turner. I was just wondering where you would put Bryson Stott. I wouldn't Stott. even think about it. Whatever's open. Yeah. Wouldn't even on the bench. I wouldn't even care. Trade him to. They might not even play him tomorrow. Nah, he's in there tomorrow. He's the shortstop. He's in there tomorrow. They bet he didn't play in game two Gregori- against Robert Gregorius, Valdez. Uh, they got rid of him just for Bryson Stott. That guy wasn't any good either. He wasn't. He wasn't. No, he wasn't any good. No, they didn't. They didn't play Stott the first time against, they played against Frumper. against because yeah, uh, he's a lefty. And they they pulled him for somebody else who bats right handed. Yeah. They took two of theirs. They took Marsh, the center fielder, and Stott, the shortstop, out against Fromber last time. Didn't work well, out very well. They should well play for him this time. Yeah, it didn't work out very well for him. Um, so wait, you don't want Carlos Correa? Oh, I want him. If you can't, you, I thought you were giving me the choice between the two. Okay, no, no. Trey Turner goes back to yeah. wherever the hell he goes. Yeah. You want Carlos Correa? Yeah, the Orioles. Okay. But if you're gonna, uh, I mean, I, I want I want Trey Turner over both those guys. It is interesting to me that now because Trey Turner is going to want Seager money as well, and I'm I think I'm thinking he's going to get it. Yeah, he's going to get Seager money. I don't know. Is he? I think he's better than Seager. He probably is, but who's going to give him the money? That's my point. They didn't. The Dodgers didn't give it to Seager. Right. So they get it, are they going to give it to Trey Turner? Yeah, and nobody wanted to give it to Carlos Correa last year either. So how many teams are actually willing to give the ten-year, three hundred plus million dollar deal? Somebody might like right. the Texas Rangers. Kind of came out of nowhere and were like, let's spend some money to finish right. in third place, boys. Right. So somebody <laughs> might. Right. The Rockies were like, hey, Chris Bryant, come on yeah. down. We're not going to be anywhere close to competitive, but we'll pay you. So somebody might, but. That's what happened to Correa last year. Nobody was offered him ten for three hundred plus. Right. So it might happen to Turner too. Um, I would both love and hate Carlos Correa being a Dodger. I would hate it because I like Carlos Correa and I don't like the Dodgers. But I would love it because Dodger fans well, would have to, Dodger fans would have to would have him. to cope with. They'd have to cope with. Him. Wait a minute. Yeah. We've been calling this guy a cheater, cheater for, for five years, years. Yeah. and now and he's going to wondering... now he's going to postseason home runs for us. I mean, I don't know if the GMs think in those terms of. If you're the GM, you do not care. That is the last thing I think you should care about. Dodgers got bounced from the playoffs again by the Padres. Don't remind yeah. me. Don't remind me. By the pa- You'd rather cheat and beat the Padres. Well, yeah, stealing signs from second base. Put your hand on your helmet if it's a curveball. Put your hand on your put your hand on your arm if it's a fastball. Yeah, cheat all the time. Yes, you need Carlos Correa to beat the Padres. Because you know what the Padres are going to have at some point next season? Fernando a better shortstop. Who also cheated. <laughs> Who also cheated. What a cheater. What was his excuse? Ringworm. That's what it was. Yeah. Carlos Correa. Better I don't think EDs? he's ever had ringworm. As far as we know, no ringworm for Carlos. If, he has, if he's got ringworm pop up, you might want to stay away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no thanks, Carlos. Because something's going to test positive. Yeah, it's contagious, too.